Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of High Minded with McCarter. I am your host, McCarter. I'm her co-host, SK. On this episode, we talk to Kim Ring. Yes, we talk to Kim Ring today on episode 41. We go back a a couple years, Kim and I. We used to work in PR, cannabis PR together in Denver, and but we're actually both from St. Louis, so we have a lot of fun connections. She went to Mizzou, which is my parents are obsessed with Mizzou, <laughs> so that's a whole thing. But she is so great. She now has her own cannabis PR company and works with several different brands and has a lot of close relationships with journalists. Yeah, we talked a lot about how cannabis journalists work so closely with PR um, professionals and how they kind of shape the narrative for the cannabis industry in a way. She um, she does share her favorite moment is kind of when one of her pitch lines actually turned into a headline <laughs> of an article. So really interesting take on how publicists interact with journalists and shape the narrative and the news and what people end up reading, um, you know, in their online websites. Usually, I feel like it's mostly online, but there are still some print, I feel like, out there. Yeah, it was interesting talking to her about, like, how journalists find stories and how to get into cannabis journalism in general. Yeah, she has some really interesting takes and... It's a really interesting episode. I think it's going to be super informative, especially for people who don't really know what publicists and PR actually mean or do. And with cannabis, it's always a fun, special twist. So it was a great episode. I hope y'all enjoy it. And today's episode sponsor is Hemper. I love the Hemper monthly subscription boxes. You can check them out at hemper.co. And don't forget to use my code McCarterGetsHigh. And as always, like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at HighMindedPod. And my personal page, too, is at McCarterGetsHigh, if you don't follow already. And we would love reviews, five-star ratings. Any feedback, really. Any feedback is always welcome. And we are looking for sponsors for our upcoming episodes. So if you would like to sponsor our podcast, please reach out to us anyway. And, and as, as always, always, stay high. high. My name is Kim Ring. I'm a cannabis publicist uh, based in Denver, Colorado. I help cannabis and hemp brands get their message across to the general public. And uh, I'm from St. Louis originally, and I've lived here for about six years. And I help cannabis brands, and I'm also an enthusiast and active user. Yes. And yeah, Kim and I are both from St. Louis, and we used to work together at a cannabis agency in Denver which is how we met each other. But it's crazy that we didn't know each other at all in St. Louis or because you went to Mizzou. Right, exactly. We just like are so all connected in Our different paths ways. weren't meant to cross until until then. You're right. <laughs> I think, Ricardo. Yes, you're so right. And yeah, thank you again for coming on to talk about everything that you do. And I just think it's important for people to understand PR because I didn't know what the hell it was before 
like I got into it as well. And I do think it's important, even though there's like a lot of stereotypes <laughs> about yeah. like publicists and yeah. Yep. But yeah, we definitely want to hear like how you first were introduced to cannabis too and like what drew you to the plant and why you consume it today. Yeah. So I started smoking. I first smoked cannabis when I was like 16, 17. Um, and it was, I was just mostly curious as to, you know, what, what all the fuss was about, how it was going to make me feel, you know, I was very, you know, hesitant at first. And like, honestly, I didn't even get high the first few times that right. I yeah. smoked weed. <laughs> and I was just so baffled. I was like, I don't understand. What am I doing wrong? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, and then, so that was mostly just for, you know, relaxing, you know, parties and such. And then started using a little bit more in college uh, with my friends. And especially after I found out I had celiac and I couldn't drink beer. Oh, and yeah. like, so I started smoking a lot more weed because I wasn't drinking as much alcohol, you know, kind of started realizing that I didn't feel as shitty the next day when I was doing yes. that. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, in college, it really became like a reward for me after I would, you know, do all my things, do all my homework and stuff. Um, I would use it to help me relax. Um, and eventually I used it a lot more when I moved to Colorado from Missouri and I used it to help me sleep at night because I was like using, you know, pharmaceuticals and things that I had been, you know, using for, for years when I was in college and couldn't sleep. And so I was trying to get off of all of that. And cannabis really helped me in that, in that realm. Um, and I definitely thank, thank it for that. <laughs> thank the plant for that. Um, yes, that's CBN. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't really know exactly what CBN was at the time. That was way before I was in the industry, understood cannabinoids and and all sure. the different benefits that each of them offer. Um, but, yeah. So that's kind of – and I've been – now I'm a daily user, and I use it throughout my work day and at night. Woo, same, uh, yeah. <laughs> All day, our day. <laughs> I feel like that's for all of us here. <laughs> Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Like it, it's definitely a lifestyle. And don't I don't understand. I don't know. Do your parents say my parents still say to me, like, we're just worried about your lungs yes. and your throat? That's exactly what like my mom says. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I when I showed her the um the mouthpiece, that product that yes. helps their lungs. She's like, okay, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yes, we do love Moose Labs mouthpieces. And thank you so much. I just ran out actually. Of, Got your filters there for Yeah, <laughs> of my filters, but I always keep my mouthpiece on deck. Mm-hmm. Yeet. And yeah, they're a great company, except for all the waste that it produces. So I like that they have that new biodegradable line. Yeah. They have like corn husk filters, corn fiber filters that are recyclable and biodegradable. So how did you get into like PR then, doing like cannabis PR? Like after you moved out, you obviously, you know, like you knew that you loved the plant. Did you study PR and... um... Yeah, so I was in the communication school. That's right. And I was in all of the like nerdy, well, I ran one of the nerdy student organizations. (laughs) And I was in one of the meetings and one of the speakers was like... Oh, um, I assume like everyone in here, like she was actually pretty rude. She said, I assume everyone in here is, um, I guess the only thing you can really do with a communications degree is PR. And she's like, so if you want to get into PR, and I was just like looking around and I was like, what the fuck is PR, you guys? 
<laughs> I don't know. The only thing I know is Samantha Jones um, from yes. Sex and the City. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Picturing, you know, holding like velvet ropes and welcoming celebrities into the, you know, exclusive event. That's definitely right. not. And just going to like the hottest it parties. Goes. Getting a second and third bedroom to make into closets. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you have to. Events yeah. are a big part of PR, I feel like, but also it's mainly like press releases and like, having good connections with yeah people in the media. Yeah, really it's um I found that PR is really my my jam because I love connecting with people and I love connecting the dots, so I love, you know, finding a need. So like for example, you know, finding a journalist who is writing a story about um, you know, cannabis like a can of recent cannabis product recall. And so I'm connecting her with, you know, somebody who can talk about, you know, safeguarding that, trying to make sure that recalls don't happen, you know, what a brand, what brands can do after, you know, after all of that news breaks. Um, and so just like kind of fulfilling that need and then like, it, and so I just connect, connect clients with. Yeah, it's connecting people. Yeah, with journalists and with, um, just with anyone that they need to be connected with, whether, you know, maybe an influencer or, um, you know, whatever they may need. What does your day-to-day look like? So I spend a lot of my mornings uh, just pitching media. So reaching out to journalists, just kind of reading the headlines, figuring out what's going on, and then sending out any press releases or announcements that I need to for um, for clients. And yeah, setting up interviews and such. So like the morning time is usually when I do that. Then maybe I'll have like a few client meetings where I show them, you know, like results that I brought, um, different things, topics I think they should be talking about, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, that's like typically what I do a lot of is um, a lot of those things and uh, looking into, you know, doing some research see what cannabis events are coming up, you know, if a client can speak at it, um, see what kind of awards they're giving out in the industry. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like in a nutshell what I do and what my days look like. Wow. <laughs> it's being pulled in a lot of different directions because a lot of my clients do so many different things. Um, it helps that everything is in the cannabis sphere. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of just kind of switching gears and um, thinking on your feet. <laughs> yeah, it must be really, I mean, it's such an evolving industry. So are you finding that like new information sources and um, like how do you keep up with how quickly it's changing and growing? Um, I mean, just kind of, yeah, keeping a finger on the pulse of the news is always just really, really important. Um, you know, even, even reading like local news. Um, and I actually, I was mentioning like recalls earlier, so I'm like going to be subscribing to FDA's announcements of product recalls Oh wow! (laughs) because they announce things before anything is, uh, given to the general public. So then I can kind of bring that to a journalist and offer sources Um, because unfortunately that's something that's like really damaging the industry overall Um, across, across markets. And sometimes that's discrepancies with, you know, testing limitations and requirements or regulations, all that. So it's, yeah, it's just a lot of like understanding what's going on. And sometimes I find myself a little behind and I'm leaning on other publicists to, to be like, oh yeah, this is what we're going to pitch our clients. <laughs> so I work, I help work with a lot of different freelancers as well. Um, and we help each other out in that regard. And now time for a quick commercial break. 
Say goodbye to late night store runs and hello to convenience delivered with Hemper. We've got you covered with premium smoking supplies that are shipped directly to your door. Remove the hassle and enjoy the best smoking experience with Hemper. Check them out at hemper.co. That's H-E-M-P-E-R dot C-O. So what do you find is like the most difficult thing, I guess, about your job? I guess I would say because the most difficult thing I would say is like trying to secure. Well, the, the thing about PR is it's it's a lot. A lot of things are up in the air and out of my control. So like it's it's sometimes stressful because I know a journalist recently interviewed a client, but I have no idea, you know, how the story is going to come out um, or even, you know, maybe they don't get mentioned in the story. Um, I actually was talking to another cannabis publicist about this, uh, Shauna McGregor, <laughs> and she was, uh, we were talking about the fact that like when you're looking at a new, a new piece, like a, a new story, and you're like wondering if your client's going to be in it or if it's going to be negative or positive, and like that fear of like, you know, looking at the headline and starting to look through the article to see, you know, what the result is. And we're calling it uh, PR Noia. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just like, you know, the like the fact that I put in a lot of work and sometimes it's not always, it doesn't always come through really is basically kind right. of what I'm saying. And just yeah. things are so up in the air sometimes. It's like so out of clients your control. can shoot themselves in the foot too. Or- yeah. 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 Sometimes they don't really understand like that things aren't really newsworthy. Um you know, so it's just kind of deciphering, you know, what is realistically going to get, you know, some interest and what really matters in the in the bigger picture of things and the news cycle um, and just, you know, being able to tell them, no, we're not going to put out this press release about, you know, this like minute thing that nobody is really <laughs> going to give a fuck about. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think, like, I feel like a lot of the times publicists get like a bad reputation? I mean, I think that sometimes people are too pushy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a salesperson. Like, I'm very clear about that yeah. with my clients. Like, totally. I am not a salesperson. What I do, like, I'm not going to, you know, like, push something if they're obviously not interested in it. And my job is making, honestly, my job is making friends. Like, I'm making friends with the journalists, figuring yep. out what they what they need, what stories they're writing about, and what would bring them value and then offering that up to them as, you know, a helpful service. Right. Um, You're not trying to, like, swindle them. No. And I'm not expecting anything. I know that, you know, the newsroom is shrinking. Journalists don't get paid as much as they should, not yep. nearly enough. That's why I left journalism. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a tough, it's a tough it's job. A, there's so much pay to play out there, too. So, like, how Everything do you, is, yeah. How do you, like— work with that changing mm-hmm. landscape with actually like honest good journalism and storytelling. That's yeah, a great question because <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially because affiliate marketing is becoming a huge thing now. Mm-hmm. So like that's a way for, you know, publications to get a little bit of a kickback if someone clicks on the product and buys it from a holiday gift guide, for example. Oh. Um, so these platforms are becoming more and more popular. And so they'll do a deal with with each other and be like, if we'll promote your thing, yeah. but 
How yes, much? How much? Of the, what type of kickback are you? Uh, like maybe like 15, 20%, something okay. like that. Not like a huge portion, but. But like it could wow. add up for sure. It could, it could definitely add up. Um, but I mean, most of them have like qualifiers in the article, like saying like we may get, you know, funds for or some sort of financial benefit okay. for products listed in this article. Oh. So, I mean, that's just like, yeah, that's journalism. You have to have something like that. But still, that's it's crazy. very much on the cusp of like, is this okay? Is this like— right. that's basically an advertisement. It's not journalism anymore. Yeah. How, yeah. how much, um, like, of the journalists that you work with, what is the demographic? Like, how many of them are working for news organizations? How many are freelancers? How many are— uh, they're like pretty much all freelancers, I okay. would say. I mean, there's some that, that work full time for publications. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding that to be very rare. Like, I feel like I work with like 70% freelancers, 30% full time journalists, Wow. to be honest. So especially in cannabis, there's a lot of freelance journalists and they bounce around a lot. Mm-hmm. So even if they aren't at the same outlet, it's like having their Gmail or their personal information is yeah. very helpful. So yeah. I have them on in my contacts and, you know. Which publications have full-time uh, cannabis journalists? Mm, I mean, there are some, so like, uh, like LA Times has like Adam Jorn. Okay. He's their... I think, I don't know if he was promoted recently, but I'm pretty sure he was their cannabis go-to guy. Um, so some like local news, local news platforms will have like a go-to mm. cannabis journalist. Um, so yeah, I mean like that's, it's just like not super duper common, um, but it's definitely, it's definitely growing in popularity, I feel like, and becoming more accepting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just like for the aspiring cannabis journalists out there. Might be a rough market. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you? Yeah. What do you suggest to someone who may be like looking to be a cannabis writer, journalist, or do cannabis PR even? Well, yeah. If you're a writer, um, I mean, I would say that a great avenue of income could be reaching out to PR companies and offering like content services. Um, yes, because you they know, need them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just uh, hired a great writer. Um, just this week, who's going to be writing a few pieces um, for a client, um, Doug Brown. He's phenomenal. Nice. Um, he's been in the game for a little while. Um, but yeah, so like hiring writers to, you know, help put your message out there. Like, because sometimes like as the publicist, I can write those pieces as well. Um, but it gets it gets stale when you're working with the same company for a long time. So having a fresh mind also, like in just a writer or journalist perspective, look at it and to pull out the things that really matter um, is is super duper helpful. So yeah, I think that's a, a job definitely that um, that journalists can look into that, you know, those jobs will always be there. So, like, the best thing that can possibly happen is you send a journalist a pitch and your subject line turns into their headline later on. Oh. And this has happened to me a few times, actually. Um, wow. But Did they of, ask for, sorry, did they ask for your permission? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, tech, it's like your words. Like. It's okay. Well, it's for the, pur- it's for their purposes. Okay. I so share. You have to put a lot of thought into that subject line. Oh yeah, I do. And often spend too much time going back and forth on it. Um, oh my gosh, Because that's the first yeah. thing, you know, they get so many emails every day. 
you have to stick out in some way, shape, or A form. hook. You need a hook. Yeah. Like, I used, um, like, Jonathan Small from Green Entrepreneur. I, like, used his DJ name in the subject line because I was like, hey, DJ. I actually forget what his DJ name is. <laughs> but um, I— <laughs> Wait, it's not. That cracks me up. This is why knowing people's, like, personal information is so valuable, though. Yeah. And now, you know, he— now he's just a buddy, so a like, bud. He's a bud. He's a great guy. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's literally you got to make friends with these people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but oh yeah, so I was talking about shaping the news. So we're coming up on Pride Month, and I was like doing a little bit of research. I was like, I wonder, you know, if any, if any, first of all, is are any clients doing anything? You know, we don't want to go into the whole rain wa- uh, rainbow washing conversation. Right. I was thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, because that's always something to look out for. But, you know, I think as long as you, like, tie it to a worthy cause. Yeah, you literally know, give and then money offer it. to an organization yeah. that yeah. is trying to help, like, yeah. or, the trans or queer community. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, and then I touched base with my clients, you know, to see if any of them would want to talk about, you know, their story as, you know, a cannabis leader you know, an LGBTQ cannabis leader. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of it, you do have brands that like are actually in the community themselves or like. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's exactly. what I was going to say. Or Good. you're in the community. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's that's not just brands being like, we want to no, no, support no. you. Here's a check. Yeah. And Which also, I do that too. Billboard. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Like, I, you know, there's, it's a mesh between the two. So the overall messaging but it's was. it's about doing it right. You got to do it the right way. Exactly. There is a right and a wrong way to go about these things. And companies pay me to figure out and use the right way. <laughs> yeah, true. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, basically, I was pitching, you know, how cannabis industry leaders um, have contributed or how, like, yeah, how they contributed to the movement overall and tying, um, like, the AIDS crisis with the use of cannabis and how a lot of people would use oh would yeah. use it during that time to relieve some of the right. um like yeah some of the symptoms and and all that yeah so and there was like really not I did like a Google search and there really was not that much news about this and I was like this is a really interesting story yeah and it's really not being told like I found one article that was from like several years ago mm-hmm. and that kind of gave me some insight and a little bit of the data that I used in my pitch so. I reached out, um, and then, like, a handful of outlets actually covered it. Um, They covered the story, you know, some of them using basically the headline that I had put together. Um, Just about how, like, these two communities have informed each other and worked together. Um, And it was just, you know, like, it was just a really happy moment that I got to, like, help people. And a lot of the people actually in my pitch— weren't clients. So they were just some people that I knew in the industry who've done some awesome things. And so I helped like just kind of connect them with the reporter to, you know, really build out the whole story. And uh, yeah. That's almost even like some like pro bono work for like free, like just like helping the community and like spread education and spread awareness. Tell history that hasn't been told otherwise. It's awesome. That's like a good good deed of like this story needs to be told. Like I'm going to do what needs to be done, even though like I'm not being paid by all these people. Yeah. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, good I mean, job, it can, <laughs> you can use your powers to do good. Yes. Wait, what was the headline? Do you remember what it? Was? Uh, I mean, I would have to look back at it. Oh. It's just, it's just like you know, thinking on Pride Month, how 
the LGBTQ community and cannabis have like grown together. Some, something along those lines. Yeah, because in 96, um, medical marijuana was legalized in California and a lot of it was because of HIV and yep, the AIDS, AIDS community. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really yep. cool. So, yeah, and then I actually got a new friend, a new journalist friend out of that, doing that outreach, J.J. McKay from Fresh Toast. Oh, nice. Um, he wanted to tell his story. And um, so, yeah, I kind of put that, gave him that platform as well. Um, so, you know, it can work. Just it's all, it all intertwines. These- totally. <laughs> yeah. It's just about being a good person, offering decent sources and just, you know, just doing the best you can to help right. journalists do their job. Yeah, that's another thing is like, do you think you can even make it as a PR if you or as a publicist, like if you have like ill intentions or bad, like, because I feel like word gets around so fast and people know your reputation so quickly that you have to just be good at your job and a good person and like just pleasant. integrity. Yeah, have integrity and be pleasant to work with or else no one will work with you and no one will talk to you. You know, in my yeah, opinion, mistakes. wow. Like, but yeah. I don't know. Have you seen people succeed in this space that are like, you would be like, oh, they're really rude or so, condescending, well, disrespectful. I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, definitely condescending is that's going to get you nowhere. But I do feel like you have to have a certain level of um, like aggression. Like you have to like be really timely and you have to be like, you know, maybe a little bit pushy sometimes, but not like that's definitely not a requirement. <laughs> but pers- that's I feel like more like persistence. Persistence. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to I had to follow up a handful of times. Sometimes I hand I follow up via email. I'll follow up, I'll DM them on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, you is that cool with you? Like you don't think that's like I am all for thinking out of the box, but I'm not going to make you want to like, like, I still want to be friends with you after this peace runs. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're never like trying to burn a bridge. Like, no, absolutely not. You're always being super nice about it. Yes. Kill them with kindness. Nice. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that's a good long-term play. Like. Just, oh, yeah. It's yeah. a small world. I'm going to be around for a while. <laughs> I'm be in this game for a little while. And the cannabis industry is very small. Everyone knows each other. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially after a couple years. Like, it is just crazy. The people I, like, run into and, like, we find out we have all these, like, mutual connections or, like, have just been at all these, yeah, like, similar parties, events. It's crazy. Yeah. It's 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 really funny because like mixing like business with pleasure in that way and just like getting really stoned with a bunch of oh. journalists, hoping that you don't say the wrong thing. Like I'm always talking to my therapist about this, like with boundaries and mixing business and pleasure. Like, what's your view on that? Because I have a friend, some of my really good friends, they don't work in cannabis, but they love smoking weed, obviously, um, after hours. But like Um, One of them does, like, marketing for, like, um, a clean energy company. And she is, like, so, so adamant that she will not be friends with anyone at her work or that's through work. Because she is, like, in order to have, like, I need to have a very clear boundary of, like, what is work and what is not work. And I just feel like in the cannabis industry, we're so used to it just being like, oh, it's whatever. Like, let's be like friends and also do business together. And in my experience, we won't say any names, but Kim knows it just gets sticky really, (laughs) really fast. And I just feel like it's gotten me into a lot of situations where I feel like my integrity has been compromised or like 
my time isn't respected enough to be like paid for because they think that we're like friends all of a sudden and this isn't a job. Yeah. I mean, I think that having boundaries is definitely good. Um, but like they like working with like clients, for example, like they have to trust you. And so in order for somebody to trust me, like I feel like I, you know, I need to let my guard down a little bit. Um, while keeping, you know, some sense of boundaries. Right. But where do you draw the line? Yeah, it's That's hard. That's I never know. It's, I mean, honestly, it's a battle that I face every single day because I genuinely love, like, the, the people that I work with. And so it's, like, easy for me to want to, like, text them randomly, like, oh, I saw this and I thought of you, you know, something, like, random like that. Like, right. you know, I mean, because also, like, it's it's my life, you know? Like, I, yeah. So it, it really seeps in quite a bit. Um, and yeah. there's, it's hard to see, hard to find the boundaries sometimes. But um, I think just overall just being, you know, genuine, as long as you're genuine, like, if yeah. you do need to keep your guard up to, like, keep things separate, I think that's okay. But, like, don't let it feed into your, you know, authenticity. How did you know you wanted to like start your own like PR agency or just, you know, do it on your own and get away from like the full big agency side? I mean, honestly, I kind of fell into it because um, it it really was, it kind of all just happened, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, A journalist reached out to me and he, you know, asked, you know, how much I would charge to write a press release for somebody. He said he knew somebody who needed something. He knew I was looking for, you know, something new, um, a different career path. And so he was like, you know, have you ever thought about this? Like, because I think I could get you, you know, some work. And I was like, you know what? I haven't really thought about that at all. But I mean, I know exactly what what would go into it. I know how I would do it. And so then I just kind of started out with that client and then kind of kept going from there. And I was like, oh, wow. I can do this by myself. Yeah. I don't need anyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it I, it kind of just fell into it, and I felt really passionate to help you know startups that were really unique and had a really cool message. You know, kind of get out there and um, you know get a, some media exposure in you know a platform or a universe where. It's hard to advertise, especially, you know, cannabis brands. So, you know, that, I mean, it's, I think we're starting to kind of figure that out a little bit more in terms of advertising, but especially when I was getting started, like it was definitely not a thing that was possible. So, yeah. Yeah. What's the strangest go around that you've used to like find a way to advertise in such a limited like market? Well, I don't really know. Honestly, I don't really know anything about advertising. Mm. Like, because, yeah, I know nothing about advertising. So, like, basically, like, I just work for earned media. So, stuff that you don't really have to, that you don't have to pay for. Okay. um, Versus advertising is more like, you know, sponsored content or, you know, paid content. Okay. um, Or, like, just placing, like, a... Yeah, like a general like ad. It's like you see the adopt the road. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And all those sorts of things. I didn't know if you had any like. Oh yeah. Weird. No, I. I mean, I haven't necessarily done that before, but um, you know, just like figuring out ways um, to do perhaps like you know cross promotion campaigns or something like that, or like you know doing an event. Um, but really, the main avenue that I go through is press coverage. You know, getting mentions and um, getting your brand name in the headline of a news story. Um, 
is really like I've I've kind of always described PR as like undercover marketing. So it's like not like very salesy. It's just um, you know, just kind of seeps in okay. to to the story. Nice. Um, what do you think about the phrase like no PR is bad PR? So like even if like a like a quote unquote like negative story comes out about one of your clients, like it's still getting their name out to all these people. So like What's your view on that? Like, <laughs> I think it it really it really depends on how just how bad <laughs> it is. It's like there is a such thing, but it's like small. There is a such thing, you know. Um, like, yeah, if something bad comes out about like you know perhaps like an investor or like you know shady business practices or you know something like that. Um, more like a lawsuit, you know, that's... Yeah. or God like forbid, a, like, someone being arrested or, like... Murdering yeah, someone. Yeah, murdering I, someone. I literally <laughs> thought of, like... Exactly. Well, the reason why everyone knows O.J. Simpson is because of the murder. Tra- like, because of football. Yeah, he was a great <laughs> football player. Yeah, yeah, no one gives a fuck that he was a football player. Everyone knows that he, well, I guess, was a former famous football player that murdered his wife. Like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his reputation. Yeah. Uh. Maybe we could say that um, there's no bad PR except for when it comes to murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could work. Or like, you know... Bad felony. Or like rape yeah, or like... Felon- yeah, I was just about to say that. Right, so. yeah. Or like... Oh my god! Like a pet- pedophilia, like some yep. people are never coming back. It's sorry. Just, yeah, but, mm-hmm. no, you're right. But but I was just thinking, yeah, it's like how much in that situation of like, did his net worth still like skyrocket because oh, everyone sure knew people, about him? I don't know. It's like I'm sure his cameo is super hot. People are like, say that you're like killing to see me or something. <laughs> oh my god! Like I'm sure he's doing just fine. There's a market you're killing for that. to see. Wait, but isn't he, in, isn't he in prison? OJ? Yeah. For that weapons charge? He's in prison now, yeah. Oh, is he? I thought he I thought he was. Not for the, because he got acquitted before. Yeah, but, but like, for the weapons thing afterwards. Yeah. I think so. I think he's in prison. But anyway, what's your views on, yeah, working with like big corporate cannabis versus like small craft mom and pop shops that I would say have hopefully a lot more like integrity and like, you know, obviously are operating on a different type of level. Um, so yeah, do you like try to give cannabis brands like, I don't know, are you preferential to any type or like whether they're smaller or larger? And yeah, how yeah. do you like reconcile that in like your morals, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That was how a- do you live with yourself? Yeah, how do, do you, you live like- with yourself, Kim? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. That's a loaded question. Like value-based vetting system. Yeah. Well, is- yeah, abs- well, absolutely. So I run my own LLC. I can represent whoever whoever I want. Yeah. Um, if I like their story, even if I don't have the time, I'll probably say, yes, I'll help you. Um, <laughs> but so like basically like I find value in working with bigger brands um, sometimes because I like to see, you know, how their business is structured, what their campaigns look like, you know, what their, you know, how their releasing news and just see like, you know, what their product development um, kind of plan is to kind of understand that so I can better inform more of the clients that I work with, which is actually more startup companies. Mm -hmm. Um, 
not necessarily, you know, multi-state operators. So, and, you know, I have represented some of the bigger, you know, MSOs. Um, and I do just find value as a professional, like, you know, kind of like tying my name to those types of announcements um, and kind of getting, you know, more experience in that way so I can further help, you know, the clients that I mostly focus on, like I said. The, the smaller guys. The smaller guys. That's so cool. help them That's- later maybe expand. Yeah, that's definitely a good way to look at it. It's like, yeah, to know the ins and outs of both. Yeah, I'm ways. I'm just like learning. I'm learning, you know, for them. We're to always them. learning. I'm always I'm always learning. <laughs> no, me too. I feel like if you're not learning, like you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you kind of feel like you invented this job in a way? <laughs> like you're kind of like. Yeah. Did you ever think you would be do be a, like a cannabis PR like publicist no. when you were in college? No, but I I feel like um, college Kim would be very proud. <laughs> yeah, she would. Yeah, you're killing yeah. it. <laughs> um, I'm proud of you. Yeah. I I mean, I never thought that I would be going out on my own. Um, and I do have you know some people, lots of people, you know, to thank for that, um, for me to you know, be able to get to this point. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love it, man. I love it. I love it so much that I, I work so, so often. <laughs> <laughs> we are workaholics over here. Yes. You could say that I'm a workaholic. It's easy to be one when you're a publicist, I feel like. Yeah. So how do you like vet people and like, do you just listen to like your intuition and gut of whether it's, you think it's going to be someone good to work with or like just depends on like, yeah, how they treat you, you know? Mm, Yeah. I found that like getting like referrals. So instead of like going after business, I've found that the best quality clients have always come from other client referrals. Yeah. That's very smart. So, and, you know, usually it's because my client knows them and they've already had a conversation. Like, yeah, I've been working with Kim and she's, you know, really easy to work with and she, you know, gets results. Um, That's like the best kind of like relationship. So um, I forget what your question was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like how do you vet someone? Oh, yeah. Um, And then also like hearing about their story. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, vetting someone by hearing, like, their background, what brought them to, like, you know, create this brand. Yeah. Um, See where their heart's at. Yeah. (laughs) How long have they been around? What are their goals? You know, and then what they're looking for. Like, if the only thing, if the first thing they ask for, like, I mean, everyone's going to say, I want you to get me in New York Times. Mm. I want you to get me into Forbes. Literally. Like, That's what everyone says. Yeah, yeah. This this, and that. And like, sure. Like, I, I have gotten hits in the New York Times. I have gotten multiple hits in Forbes. It happens. But it has to be the right story and the right time. Yeah. And the right everything. And it's like a long game. It's not like a short game. If they think they're just going to work with you for like a couple months— and you're going to get those results, oh, yeah. it's like that's not feasible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're – honestly, yeah. So if, managing those expectations too. And it's hard because sometimes, you know, the expenses can add up. And, you know, I'm like, okay, sometimes people can't wrap their heads around the fact that, like, PR is, like, a four-figure investment. It's like, you know, like this is something money that you're going to need to dedicate time and money to. Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, setting up media interviews, having a professional headshot, which sounds like the most simple thing in the world, but somehow turns into this whole, like, 
shit show I where remember. they need to have like their daughter take a picture of them. It's always the or, biggest like, ordeal. Something ridiculous where I need to drive down to their office and take it myself on my goddamn smartphone. Literally. <laughs> like, come on, people. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, and learning how they've been operating, their previous experience with PR. Um and so, you know, kind of understanding just like what their expectations are, if they're reasonable. And then if their story is genuinely interesting and I think that they could get some press coverage for it and I could help them do it, then, you know, then I'll take them on. Yeah. Makes sense. That's very cool, though. Yeah, I love the ability to, that we can control who we work with and, like, we don't owe anyone anything. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you what, I am not going to be working with any other like CBD brands in a while. Why do you say that? Well, I have, I have already have several clients that I represent who I work with for a while, who I trust and I like their product and support it. Um, but the market is just so oversaturated, man. I mean, pitching, like, can you imagine like how many emails journalists are getting for, you know, CBD. Oh, I can't believe how many are out there, honestly, that I get random emails for of them wanting me to sign up for their freaking affiliate marketing program. (laughs) Speaking of, it all circles back to the affiliate marketing. And literally almost every influencer I know, and myself included, no one does these because we've never seen any type of actual payment come through. So I just send the same email back. Hi, thanks for reaching out. Unfortunately, I only, what do I say? I don't do affiliate programs. I only work on like paid uh, collaborations. Interesting. Here's my deck with my prices. Like, let me know if you want to, if you want to pay, if you want to actually pay me to work with me. And then they usually like never respond. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's so many CBD brands. And I feel like for the average consumer, it's really hard for them to know what to look for and know what's like a good brand to buy and consume, you know? Exactly. It's it's hard to tell like the bullshit from the actual like, you know, certified, like legitimate, like yeah. safe and, you know, good quality uh, yeah. product. Oh, sorry, bacon is barking. You know, I do have a really funny story. I've been trying to think about how to loop this in where um, a client of mine did like a collab with Tommy Chong. And I got to sit in on an interview between him and uh, and this Forbes reporter. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. In person? <laughs> no, it was a Zoom interview because this was like okay. in 2020. I think Word. 2020, 2021. Um, it was just like, I think it was the most absurd experience, like perhaps in my career. <laughs> what happened? What? Yeah, what? <laughs> Please tell us. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was, um, so birthdays, the... Um, Yes. The joint, the joint for your birthday. Oh, I remember. Um, so, Birthjays was launching a like Tommy Chong's birthday that was just you know had his is his merchandise and all of that. So I was reaching out to media to set up interviews um, between the founder of Birthjays and uh, and Tommy Chong, <laughs> mm. and like so. Basically, Tommy, like, made himself available for, you know, whenever, and we had to schedule something. I had to schedule something with his, like, assistant, um, and it was it was just, like, really interesting. So, first of all, we get on the Zoom, and he thinks that I'm the reporter. No! <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah. Wait, and didn't, so, you, you didn't introduce yourself right away? Like, no, this was the, I think this was like probably the second time he had seen my face, but it was on like Zoom. So we did like a meeting uh, okay. like previously. And so I think that he had forgotten about that. And like, he's like, he's like 82 or he's, something. Yeah. I was, I was like, isn't he kind of old? How no. many birthdays does he need on his cake? <laughs> like, yeah. Like 80 something. Like a wow. lot. Yeah. Damn near night. 90. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But he's, uh, yeah. So he's, he's a bit elderly. <laughs> and which is amazing. You know, cannabis. Hey, he's still, he's still slinging. Does you know? he still like, smoke? I mean, I'm pretty sure that he does. I didn't see him smoke. I don't think he smoked like during the interview or anything. But yeah, I'm pretty Wait, sure. So what that did he, he say to you? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. He, yeah. So, oh my God, I just have the worst cotton mouth. <laughs> basically, I just want to know what happened. Like, did mm. what did he say? Like, how did it proceed? So, it basically, it was like the weirdest interview that I've ever sat in on because it, it did not follow any sort of like Q- Q&A. Um, it was mostly Tommy just like talking about like random experiences that he's had <laughs> and like random things that have happened. I can't even so recall. It was like, Tommy Chung's story hour. Yeah, it was just, he was just talking. He like um, didn't quite understand what birthdays were, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and that became like very evident to me during this interview. And oh I was like, God. oh my goodness, I've sent this man talking points. Like he knows everything. <laughs> Like, at least it's I thought. Like, it's a joint and a candle combined. It, it's yes, literally it. not. It's, it's yeah. So that was that was one thing. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he was just talking about random things that had happened in his life, like whether or not drugs were involved. And then he just talked about all the things that I basically tell clients not to talk about, <laughs> like religion and politics and, oh like, you know, and, and then it was just, it was— kind of downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) How, it was an hour-long interview. Wait, how did the article come out? Yeah, and how long did you have to wait? Oh, the article didn't come out. There was no article. (laughs) So it didn't even go It was Yeah, it was between him and this Forbes journalist. Um, And then there was, like, another one with a Benzinga journalist as well. And I don't think either of them actually came out with stories because this interview was so all over the place. Yeah, they were like, (laughs) nothing came of this interview that I can put into a feasible story. Um, Oh, a local local, um, Denver news station actually also covered it um, (laughs) because Birthdays is based here in Denver. And he did— Oh my god, I can't remember the name of the journalist. I really wish I remember his name right now. Um, he did an interview with Tommy, and he explained on like the news segment. <laughs> I think it was like uh, I think it was like Fox like nine. It was like D- Channel Nine or yeah, I don't know one of those. And um, and he was like, yeah, let me tell you this this conversation with Tommy Chong was all over the place. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, that definitely is how my— because that was the one interview that I wasn't on. I didn't know how that went. <laughs> it was like, nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, oh, there was this one point where um, Tommy was talking about this movie that he did with um, Nicolas Cage. He did a movie with Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh Nick Cage. No. And he's—oh, he was talking about it because it was like— a type of like pandemic or it was like an oh. like a it was related to like a, a sickness of some sort and he was like you know I just did this movie with Nick Cage it was pretty wild <laughs> it was actually kind of like 
about like a pandemic actually now that I think about it you know and like so like yeah it was it was Did he sound high during the interview yeah I mean that's just how his voice sounds I feel like okay yeah you're right uh, yeah he like is yeah the- man yeah man I, I did watch the Tommy Chong movies, the Cheech and Chong movies, like, before this interview. I had never seen them, and I, I watched I, all of them. Like, well, not all of them. Like, the good ones before. How, how many are there? Oh, I think there are a lot. Okay. I've only seen Up in Smoke, so. Okay, yeah. I feel like there are two movies that I saw. Okay. Um, But I feel like there's, like, Do you remember what handful. they were called? <laughs> Up in Smoke was oh, one of them. that's, like, the classic, I feel like. Yeah. There's another one or two that are, like, also— I saw another one that was, like, pretty random, and it wasn't, like— I feel like it was a strand of a series that was already, like, kind of bad Okay, to yeah. begin with. But it's good, you know, good bad. Like, it was still really funny. Like, <laughs> I was still laughing really hard. Stoner nice. content's always good for stoners. Like, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Like, I'll always watch any movie and enjoy it if it's content yeah. that I'm relating to so— yeah. <laughs> so so there's closely. people getting high in it we will relate yeah yes. I'm like oh in the car yeah oh, <laughs> been there going. yeah Done I just that. watched uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle oh, that's for the what first I was, time oh it's such a good movie so good now I want to go to White Castle fuck and they don't have uh, any of them here Neil Patrick Harris I love White Castle um okay well we're gonna ask you we're gonna wrap up and ask our two final questions um oh well this one's out of nowhere but what do you think is the future state of the cannabis industry? Hmm. The future state. Like, where do you think the industry is going, basically, in Colorado or, like, federally? Well, I think that um, federal legalization is probably going to happen. Not likely as soon as we think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be quite a while. I think we have a little bit of work to do before that happens. Um, Yeah, I I worry that it's going to be hard for some of the small businesses that I work with, honestly, to operate in an industry like that. So, um, yeah, I don't have, like, that. that's kind of, like, my view on, like, kind of, like, what's next. Um, Everything's going corporate, baby. Things are going corporate, but also I think, you know, perhaps that could end up being a good thing if we have, you know, more like clean products that are reliable and that are good for, you know, medicinal purposes. You know, they they test well um, and they're just like genuinely, you know, safe and helpful yeah. for people. So hopefully yeah. if the corporate side, it actually becomes corporate, then, you know, more of that from, like, a regulatory standpoint goes into place as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you're right. Hopefully leads to more, like, accessibility for people in, like, illegal states. Um, yeah. And I and I feel like the cannabis industry moving forward also helps, you know, other spaces like the psychedelic industry. Totally. And, We're you know, all moving towards mushrooms, people. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. I have have you to, worked with any psychedelic or... You know, I was talking to a psychedelic, um, like, IP company that was, like, working to, like, um, offer different—I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, patents. Like, they would offer patents to companies that wanted to purchase them and create a product. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, Yeah. So, that was really exciting. Um, But but no. I mean, right now, brands are not—in that space are not ready and not looking to— 
call attention to themselves. Oh, so yeah. it's not the time yet for <laughs> publicists to step in, but believe me, True do that. You think, like, when that happens, I'm going to be there. When it legalizes in November, that, that, that'll that change pretty quickly. Yeah, for Colorado at least. I mean, is it like legalizing or is it That's just— Okay, it's I read legalized nature, right? Um, legalized Natural Medicine Act, um, and it's yeah, legalized Initiative Fifty Eight is the one that's legalizing. There was one that was also looking at decriminalizing, but that level. one did not get approved. It didn't get enough signatures, but the legalized. Okay, did. so that's the one that's on the ballot, and so it's decriminalizing, legalizing, and setting up like a structure with clinics and this sort of thing. Interesting, I. I didn't, like, read this article fully, but I saw an article somewhere about that not being, like, a positive thing. Yeah. We— They're definitely—we were talking so some what, people can about you guys, some, like, Because <sighs> it shuts down—it um, it kind of creates a structure already to start that pushes people out instead of allowing for it to kind of just being decriminalized, like allows for the grassroots to continue and for it to happen more organically as opposed to just placing in like clinics and- So um, yeah, because now like more like corporations are basically the only people that are going to be able to afford to open a clinic. And then there's licensing and all this stuff just from the get-go. So yeah, just like, I mean, yeah, just like the hoops that- people in the cannabis industry had to jump through, right, yeah, when it totally. first started. I mean, it'll be an uphill battle, but at least, you know, they've provided kind of a a pathway yeah. for perhaps these, you know, these other agencies to to operate from. Yeah, or it'll fail and we can um, re We can just keep taking mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And keep- I just want everyone to be able to, like, grow their own and, like, or, like, have their own, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I don't it's want it so, to turn into like a pharmaceutical, another like pharmaceutical industry type of situation. Which, yeah, I mean, do you think that that's like the same thing that's going to happen with cannabis? If yeah, it goes that's federal. I'm like, totally do worried you about also that. have that. Okay, I just want it to be like maintain its like small craft, like mom and pop. I don't like it going to like these big like capital investors, and because that's just like perpetuating like this issue of like white wealth in our country, um, like that has been built on the backs of so many people of color that yeah. are the one, yeah, that are the ones who are like directly impacted by this war on drugs. So it's just fucked up that then the people who are going to be able to profit are the ones that have the money to invest, you know? Absolutely. So just don't want to see that like Woof. continue to, yeah, cycle to like perpetuate and continue. But wow, what do we do? Do we vote against this initiative? I don't know. It feels wrong. It like, feels wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like we should vote yes. And hopefully, like, then everyone can just do their own thing and the clinics fail, but then it's still decriminalized and legalized for people, like, on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Fingers crossed. But our last question. <laughs> If you could consume cannabis or, I guess, mushrooms now, too, um, anything, your substance of choice, with anyone alive or dead but not family member, who would it be and why and what would you consume? And it could be a fictional character, too, like someone from, like, a movie or, I don't know, a cartoon. I would love to smoke a joint with 
the whole SpongeBob Patrick. Well, you know, yeah, that crew. <laughs> I just thought of that one. Um, oh Sandy. That's so the, yeah, Sandy Cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought of that, but like. Mostly like a famous person is usually what, or like a political, or <laughs> I don't know, any figure. Oh my God. If you could. such a good question. <laughs> it's gotten very complicated. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it's complicated. There's so many but. like qualifications now. <sighs> I know. Oh, let me just get, just give me a second to okay. think about this one. <laughs> Bacon. <laughs> um, man, I'm just having like a huge like brain fart right now. Who's <laughs> like one of your idols? What do you look up to? Uh, well, that's a that's a different question. Oh my god. I mean, like, I guess you know. Okay, the easiest and most straightforward answer I can give you is um, doing mushrooms with Michael Pollan. <laughs> Okay. Yes. <laughs> that would be a pretty great one. Um, I mean, he's like the plant man. Like, he knows so many things. Well, we're also really into Paul Stamets because he's like the mushroom yes. god. Yeah. They, yeah. they collaborated recently. Yeah. I feel like even like smoking weed with Paul Stamets would be pretty cool too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. All of the of above. Them. Those are yeah. good ones. That, that's, that's a great, great circle. That's great, Kim. Good. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, like, it's Holland. just, yeah, I've been reading his book about mushrooms and just, like, just loving it, just learning so much. Oh, yay. Hell yeah. yeah. That's great. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah, where can people find you? Yes, great question. Oh, such a good question. Um, <laughs> you can find me, I guess, Instagram. What's your Instagram, that? and you can give your email, too. Yeah, um, yeah, my Instagram is, well, it's at Ring Relations, or my personal one is at Kimbro Possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and if you want to reach out to me, yeah, send me, shoot me a follow, and I'll, you know, follow you back. And then just, yeah, if you email me, my email is Kim at ringrelations.com. Yay. Thanks, Kim. You're the Thanks. best. Thanks. Thank you. Love it. And as always, stay high. Stay high.